0: Welcome to the Screamcast episode 102. I am Sean Dereger, and with me as always is Brad Henderson. Yeah! BJ <laughs> is missing in action today because we pulled the show together at the last minute. And we're unable to get everyone together. But in her place tonight is Jay Hawkinson. What's up, Jay? Hello. You do have some big shoes to fill. I do. She's uh, pretty amazing, mainly because you uh, have a penis. <laughs> that too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean? Mom? I have no idea. Just. Uh... I really
1: don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a shounism. Yep. There you go. Uh, uh, I'm going to move so. along here before I say any more stupid <laughs> things. But uh, <laughs>
2: move on to the show.
0: Welcome to the show, everybody. Starting off with a bang. Uh, we're going to be talking some show kasugi today, which is why we enlisted Jay Hawkinson. talk to us to be involved in the show, because he has seen some show Kasugi movies. I've seen a few. (laughs) There's actually only a few to see, but yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be uh, talking about that. Uh, We're going to focus our attention probably on the last two Arrow releases, which are Rage of Honor and Pray for Death, but of course there's plenty of more stuff to talk about with show. But uh, first, before we dive into that, let's find out what's on our doorstep.
3: Holy cow! I almost forgot. We'll get the door.
2: <laughs> what if what if Jay goes first? Like, what have you seen recently, Jay? You're Jay go
1: first. Uh, does, does it does it matter if it came nope. on my, if, it, if it arrived? Okay. Nope.
0: Vir, you know, virtual uh, doorstep. You know. Yeah. Yo, so I'll talk Theater. about. Well,
1: I'll, yeah, I see a lot of stuff, of course, but I'll talk. I went to the uh, Aliens double feature. Yes. Uh, last night for Alien Day. And it was at the Music Box in Chicago, which, you know, I was curious about that because it's a it's an Alamo Drafthouse thing, right? This whole double feature thing. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, the Music Box is doing this. And, and one of the reasons why I went, besides the fact that it's two, you know, really awesome movies... And that that it was Alien Day is that they had a 70 millimeter print of aliens. Mm. So I was uh, very curious to see how that looked, and they, I, I guess they they'd found it and unearthed it in a in an archive in North Carolina, and so it was uh, quite amazing find for them. So so I want to go check that out, of course, and then just celebrate Alien Day, do all that. But but I guess what the deal was is that. Uh, just they're friends with uh, you know, Music Box is really an independent theater here in, in Chicago. It plays uh, a lot of independent stuff, and they have uh, repertory screenings, and they do midnight shows on the weekends. And they, I guess they just they know people at the Draft House, and the Draft House uh, contacted them and said if they wanted to participate in the event, and they said yes, and so uh, they they agreed and kind of like got hooked up in there. And, and Mondo T sent them a bunch of uh, merchandise to sell and. You know, it was a sold out event i mean it's 800 it's 800 seat theater so they sold it out and it was uh it was a pretty good pretty good uh scene uh, you know i heard some stories about some other places at other theaters that didn't have uh such a good uh atmosphere i think la was was the big one <laughs> la was cloudy uh,
0: apparently yeah
1: uh and ours was uh really strange because during alien which is you know you i know you guys to see alien but you know it's a really quiet movie for the most part and then every like out of nowhere somebody would like yell a comment so there's the moment in the movie, like just really, just yell some strange random comment. It was like, what was that? Like, like for example, so when Sean Harry, was in the theater.
0: <laughs> I yeah, would never do that. Quiet <laughs> yeah. as a mouse in the theater. No, so so for example, I'll, like there's punch that scene, a punch douche of ba- douchebag.
1: <clears throat> you know the scene where uh, <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton's looking for Jones, and he's he's you know he's in that he goes in that yeah. area where all the chains are dangling, and it's really cool. Some dude, like out of nowhere, is like, who does who designed the spaceship? The Bites Like yells it. <laughs> Like, wow, really looked, that's like, like a
2: long comment too. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and it was like a yeah. paragraph. Yeah, I'm gonna yell. about you know, the movie, right? And then it would oh. calm down, and then you know, like 15 minutes later, somebody else would yell out a comment in a different place in the theater. <laughs> I was like, I was with like, with a couple friends, and I look at them like, "What the fuck is going on? I don't know." It was Yeah, it was really strange. Um, the so that was cool, and then Aliens was. I mean, the print was. um beautiful it was it was amazing uh i don't think it had been shown that much and you know that was a lot you know everyone was really into it you know i think it's more has a lot more humor in it obviously and you know it's more action so it was cool it was just really good just to be there and, and experience it with a lot of people and it was a fun event you know nice. it's just good times yeah good times so so that was really you know i would say that's for me is probably the big what what i've been watching recently other you know outside of like newer films but i think for for cool stuff that was it was just nice, nice to participate and have something like that so awesome yeah hey,
2: we don't have anything like that around here so um yeah, yeah. kind of sad sorry <laughs> it's all right. I'm sorry just rub it in jay it's cool you know i wanted to see aliens as well in 70 millimeter but didn't yeah. get that no that's cool though i mean i wonder if they're uh you know because i do anything with it. Was it the actual like theatrical or was it like a special print? Like it, it, no, it, direct,
1: it was it a was it was theatrical. theatrical. Okay. Yeah. It was, a, it was a safe theatrical. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Which is weird because I I think I'm more used to seeing the, the long cut. Yeah. And so there's yeah, certain things period. I'm like, yeah, I was like, wait, where's that at? Or what, you know, this is, <laughs> wait, there's something missing here. And that was just kind of throwing me off during the movie. Yeah. But, it's
2: like fucking 25 minutes. Like, yeah, it, there's
1: a lot a of long, shit that happens. Long movie. Yeah. There's a lot of cool yeah. shit in that. And so, yeah, yeah, it was good.
2: I'm director's cut on everything but four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I prefer the director's cut on each one over the theatrical. Is That's there a director's three. cut on four? I believe so.
0: Huh. I've never seen it. That one I've always been, like, just theatrical.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, okay. Maybe I'm trying to remember if it's director cut or just some scenes. Cause there's, like, some extra scenes with, like, Ripley where she goes and, like, you know how she, like, sees, like, like those other things of her, it's like, Oh yeah. It goes a little bit more. It goes further. I think I can't remember. It was like whenever that anthology came out on my, like nine disc on DVD years ago, that's the only time I ever watched whatever special features there was. I never revisited because I wasn't a fan of uh, the extra footage or deleted scenes. I like the movie though. Which one? A resurrection.
1: Oh yeah. I like it too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it's a fun Fun little, you know, I think Sean and I were talking, I said, it's a very much like a fan fan made film. It feels like, yeah, um, that, doesn't I think it, it's, you know, yeah, it still feels like part of the universe. But like, it's, you know, it wants to be all three
0: mm-hmm. of those movies,
2: mm-hmm. right? You know, it has elements of, you know, aliens, alien, um, the goofiness in alien three, of course, which the director's cut. I always preferred that because it's technically it's a different movie. Right. Like, you know, you you kind of understand why um you know cuz where the alien is sourced from, you know, in yeah. the original it's the dog, but yeah. in the director's cut it's a bull. Uh or an, was it an ox or something? Is
1: it a bull or an ox? I don't know. I haven't seen the director's cut.
0: I can't remember. There's an awesome behind the scenes behind the scenes stuff on uh, on on that uh Blu-ray about how they did they're trying the alien, they're trying to uh, like a practical and, alien coming out of the dog and stuff like that yeah that well cool.
2: well they have because when they're pulling the ship there's a scene where they're like trying to pull the ship out of the water and they have like those big like you know they, they look like bulls or ox you know something like that and that's where the alien comes from well that's fucking why the alien is so goddamn strong and can bust down doors and shit yeah you know it's ramming its head into things of course no. you know, okay. it's, it's a lot more believable than a fucking dog Right. <laughs> it's just that what happened was is that, you know, because they bring they bring the animal in and they're like, we don't know how it died uh, and then it comes out of that and then attacks the guy. But the thing was that the audio was damaged so severely um that they couldn't use it. So I don't know if they went back last minute to do reshoots or anything like that, but um what they did is they just added subtitles um on on the director's cut. And yeah. I prefer that a lot more. I think it's a pretty cool movie because, you know, the setup is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually go more into Newt and Hicks and everything like that. Uh you get yeah. to see them a little bit more.
1: Where did, so, yeah. where did, where did they get an ox on the prison planet?
2: I don't know. It's uh I, I mean it's it's a it, I don't I can't remember what type of it's a big fucking like it looks like an ox or a bull.
0: It's a it's the sl- slaughterhouse. They have like a slaughterhouse there where they but I mean oh, okay. got to eat, you know. Okay, okay, yeah. So they got at some point they got to raise these.
2: Yeah, things and they them. and they use that to pull the ship out of wherever you know it crash mm. landed. Mm. And that's when one of them just falls over, you know, because obviously the face hugger got attached to it somehow. So. Yeah,
0: it's a cow. Right. It's a cow. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a bull. I mean, it's a bull, though. It's not like a...
2: Yeah. You What's know. well, that's what I was saying. I mean, that's the reason why it fucking charges and, like, rams its head into shit. Because, I, you know, the other alien movies, I can't ever remember that really happening other than them pounding on the door by, with many of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're mostly sneaky and crawl through crawl spaces and, you know, uh, tunneling systems and under the grates. They're yeah. not fucking charging at people. Oh, yeah. and, and that was one of the reasons why, you know, if you want to go back, when I was little, those little, uh, you know, the alien toys, there was a whole alien from Alien 3. And you, you would, like, push its head and then hit a button and the head would pop out and ram shit.
1: Oh. Wow. You yeah. know, I think I remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it completely changes the movie. It did. It <laughs> yeah, totally I know, changes everything. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, I always stand up for 3 because I, I, I like I, – I, like I like 3 a lot i like it a lot
1: yeah yeah i like it too i don't you know i just like the fact that like every since the first movie every new teen that's taken on an alien movie basically made their alien movie you know so i i saw somebody make a comment on twitter something about it's kind of like elseworlds you know it's it's like okay well let me do my thing and let me do my thing and they're all different movies that you know stand on their own and you know you know obviously you know, Ripley is sort of the thread through all mm-hmm. those, but outside of that, it's like they're telling their own story. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Which is why I don't get mad that uh, Newt and, you know, is. Dies in threes. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Neil Blomkamp wants to bring them back, you know, in retcon alien in three, but I'm like, eh. I what mean, it be cool, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I
1: you know, if all I want cool. is. It, yeah, I just want a good movie. Yeah. I don't really care, you know. Yeah, <laughs> make a good movie, dude.
0: <laughs> yep, they weren't really dead. That was a dream, and fine, fine, whatever. Mm. All right, uh, Brad, what's on your doorstep?
2: Um, is Jay done? Is that it? Jay? I'm done. Yeah, I just got
1: mm. to talk about that. Yeah, that's good.
2: Um, I I don't have much. Just have a couple things. Um, I got to around to watching uh, um this documentary. It's. <sighs> I got it in the mail, and I really didn't know anything about it. Um, Popped it in. It was, you know, like 70 minutes. So I was like, okay, I'll watch this before. Um, The shit was made in, like, 2012. It's a documentary focusing on this group uh, of people that are from the United States Academy of Science. Um, And it is uh, Unarians is what they call themselves. And they believe that they are from kind of a higher being of like aliens passed down. Um, they kind of relive their lives over and over. So, um, you know, they die, they come back, they die, they come back. All the science fiction that exists in the world, um, you know, from any author or f- filmmaker, um, those people lived their past lives on another planet doing that thing. So basically George Lucas has lived in a past life Do living in a world of Star Wars. Uh, you know, whoever fucking creator Star Star uh, Trek was living that life. Uh, you know, Ray Bradbury was in past lives. He was that the person that he'd lead in his book. That type of shit. Really <laughs> mm-hmm. fucking far out there shit. Um, you know, it, it was founded in the, the 50s by a husband and wife. He wrote some books. They got some people together and lots of followers. I think it's mainly primarily based in California, um, and then it's actually moved over into Europe as well. But um, it's basically that, you know, even aliens are human beings, and uh, basically the the reason why this group exists is to bring... Um, <sighs> it's so fucked up. It's so weird. It's basically <laughs> to bring like, an interplanetary group together, because even though we're on Earth, we're from another planet, and all these people together that like, interdimensionally through science and math, bring these people together and discover who we really are. Dude, it fucking melts your fucking mind. Like, There's a woman in the documentary that talks about this painting that claims that it's painted by Leonardo da Vinci and Nicholas Telsa and like all these other people because they're like the same person. And she just starts bawling her eyes out because this painting is so beautiful and, you know, means so much to this group. I mean, and they've made these movies, like they actually had a production company and they made these movies of what, and all, also, you know, they wrote these books and then turned those into movies. Like there's a movie called the arrival from the eighties and it's mainly, everything's kept in the group. Like it's not like they didn't make these movies and they screen them in theaters or anything. It's like only for this, uh, you know, this Academy of science, basically kind of this church cult type thing. Um, and, I mean, they show clips of the movies, and I was hooked. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is like – I thought Scientology was a little, you know, out there. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know I'm never going to bang on a religion or anything, but, like, you know, you look at each religion individually, and they all – they are all have their kooky parts,
4: you know, mm-hmm.
2: all a little out there everywhere. Um, I mean, a lot of this reminds me of Scientology, but – this is such a fascinating documentary because it is very small. It is very cultish, but it's not – it's not to the point of where they badmouth anybody. So, I mean, the documentary uh, solely focuses on you know the people inside of this. I don't know. It feels weird calling it a church because it's not. But this group, this group of individuals, um, it goes through kind of each person, and it's weird because most of the people are all elderly. There's not really too many young people that they that they show at least. I mean, there could be, um, but the people that they focus on are definitely veterans of this group that uh, have even known uh, Ernest Norman. I think was the the founder and his wife Ruth. I think her name was. So a lot of them knew them uh, and kind of kind of took over after they passed on. Uh, apparently, they're living another life somewhere, and they have to be found again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's it's really it's really fascinating and really really kind of really cool. And it's um you know it's definitely one of those things that you feel like you're on LSD while watching it, mm-hmm. just because of how it's set up and, and what you see. But anyways, uh, fascinating documentary. It was made a, a, a little while ago, but just now getting distribution. So I don't know if there was anything wrong with that or people just didn't find it good and it kind of sat on a shelf for a while. So um, I dug that quite a bit. Um, the next next thing I really, 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 really liked was uh, Mondo Macabro's uh, Medusa that they have just released on DVD. Um, it's an ancient tale or an agent. It's a tale on the ancient myth of Medusa. Um, but just kind of more or less in present day, this, uh, little boy who's kind of fascinated with knives, um, because he kind of wants to be a magician when he grows up. His mom kind of just has little floozies. You know, she is a floozy. She goes out and he stays at home. Um, and she kind of, doesn't treat him all that great. I mean, she loves him, but you know, kind of makes fun of him and you know, leaves him alone while she goes bang somebody. Um, jump forward years later, he's uh, a thief with uh, this these group of people um, that uh, kind of sell uh, they're realtors really, and they know when people come and go, so they go to their house and they steal uh, whatever they can. So come across this house because this, uh, one of the people that are buying one of the houses, or lived in the house for a while, she says that she's leaving for three months. Well, find out, he doesn't really have contact with his mother mother anymore. It's actually his mother's house, but he doesn't talk to her anymore. Um, Meanwhile, around the city, these cops are investigating all these people that are turning into stone. Um, They don't believe that they're Humans being turned into stone. Some, one of the girls does because of how, uh, they do, you know, some tests on the stone and it doesn't seem like natural, you know, carbon and shit, like bone and stuff like that showing up. Um, and it just, just kind of goes from there, but the whole time it has this like, it almost feels like it borrows from the lethal weapon soundtrack, you know, kind of just that bluesy guitar. Mm -hmm. And then it gets in like in these hardcore like blues riffs, you know, where it feels like you're watching like a Tarantino John Carpenter movie and fucking Carpenter's just wailing on the guitar in the background Mm -hmm. Um, has this huge like from Dusk Till Dawn feel, you know, with just kind of uh, the imagery and kind of just how people are dressed. Um, It just has that kind of that Western Mexican feel. Um, but it's actually from Greece, about you know, so it's not even close. Um, but it's just—it's it, a really beautiful movie. It's very, very weird. Um, like I said, the, the soundtrack is really, really great. Uh, it, like I said, I it, it said even Sean last night. It's like if Tarantino was like 15 years old and wanted to make some kind of fucked up, you know, sexy, weird ass quote on you know quotations in the mark monster movie and mm-hmm. kind of end up doing this before he got into his career of like reservoir dogs and fucking from dust to dawn with Rodriguez so it's a it's a fascinating movie really really great um I suggest everybody like if you're into weird shit but you know at least it's you know you can comprehend it and it's not um, this is definitely uh, for you it's, i mean it's fun yeah. to macabre so you can't yeah. know what you're getting into um other than that i don't know I, I did see a movie called um where the devil dwells um uh, movie from i think it was like 2014 just now got uh distribution through i think midnight releasing midnight releasing was one of those companies that um you know they were releasing like a lot of small low budget independent movies and now they're starting to get some quality flicks which is uh which is pretty cool. Um, so I'm enjoying that, uh, where the devil dwells is mostly about a son of a serial killer who, um, gets into kind of, uh, you call him, you know, just kind of a little rumble with a stabs a guy, um, and is on like house arrest. So this cop is watching over him and he's staying at his dad's old place so he he like starts having visions of his uh of his father and um feels like he's going crazy at the same time like you know he can't go anywhere uh the cop visits every once in a while and the cop can kind of tell that he's kind of losing it um and just kind of goes from there it's a very much psychological horror film it it actually it's set in like the 80s which is kind of cool and They kind of go into, um, um, you know, kind of a nod to slashers and stuff like that. Um, You know, the guy's going through his old, like, dad's movie cabinet. And there's, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 in there, uh, you know, Phantom Brother, um, you know, a couple other flicks. But he comes across these series of movies called The Butcher. But The Butcher is based on his dad. So he starts watching the movies. And then, like, starts seeing his dad even more, and his dad like appears and like, look how badass this is. They base this movie off of me, but it's not even close to what I did. You know, he killed like close to like two hundred people or some crazy shit like that. So it's 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 not a great movie, but it is entertaining. Uh, it's definitely a movie for uh, movie lovers. Uh, Jay, did you ever see Tony?
1: Yeah. Uh huh.
2: Yeah. It's yep. very it's very much like Tony where. It feels like that movie's made for people that really really love movies.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
2: So, you know, it it's hard to explain. It's just that vibe. You <clears throat> right, know like right. t- t- cuz Tony's obsessed with VHS tapes, so it's like yep. 2010. Yep. Um, but anyways, um it definitely definitely a fun fun little movie. I I I uh I dug it
1: for for Was it a recent movie? Yeah,
2: it just it just came out. Okay. So, um, I think that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I watched, um, also, uh, they are watching. I think you tweeted about this, right, Jay?
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't sound familiar to me.
2: Oh, it's a, it's a found footage movie of, about these people that are going, following this makeover, like house mm-hmm. TV, this TV show. And, um, this woman buys this rundown house in the middle of fucking, you know, like, checklist of Aki or some shit. So they send these people out, you know, a year later because, I mean, everything's – this house is dilapidated. It's fucking filthy. It's got, like, you know, dirt floors. She buys the house for super cheap. They're going to go out and see what she's done. Um, you know, it's, so it's kind of a comedy between kind of the crew, like, you know, hassling each other back and forth until they actually get to this woman's house. And then the townspeople are really against them being in the town filming and then all fucking hell breaks loose. Like like it's a Mm. comedy for about an hour. And then the last 30 minutes, you find out what's actually happening with the house and the people that occupy it. And you're like, what the fuck? The last 15 minutes are fucking great. Um, Mm. It just takes a while to get there because it really tries hard to make you laugh and be funny. But – it turns out to be kind of a more serious horror film towards the end. So I, I thought that was uh, um, kind of neat. Um, and the other one that I really fucking dug, you know, I love like little fi little films like this, like really low fi science fiction horror films. These alt movies always get to me. Um, it's called They Look Like People. Um, and it's about this guy who is in New York City, he comes across as his old friend and um he claims that he has his girlfriend left him and he lost his job and he kinda needs a you know, he's just telling him this and he's like, Oh man, come stay with me and you find out that this guy, you don't know if he's suffering from schizophrenia or if he really has noticed That there's these beings around him that look like people, but they're creatures. And once you meet one of the creatures, you can turn into one yourself if they get too close to you, touch you, or talk to you. They can turn you. So in his head, on a day-by-day basis, he's preparing for the end of the world. He's getting these phone calls and it's basically you know this disguised voice saying you need to prepare in like eight days the takeover is going to happen like when you hear and it's like one of these things you hear three like um you know cracks of uh thunder in a row that's when it's going to happen and he's like getting all these like tool supplies together and finally, his friend's like, you know, what's wrong? And he tells him what's actually happening. And his friend has a trouble, like, do I go for help? Do I talk to him? Do I try to help him myself? Um, so it's just this it really fucking, like, kind of mind fuck of a movie uh, going back and forth of believing this guy or not. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen The Possession of David O'Reilly
1: Oh wow! I'm trying to think. I don't think I've seen that
2: one. No, I haven't. Um, It's very much. It's a film like that. If anybody, anybody listening has seen it, David O'Reilly stops by his friend's house, and you know he's you know looks stressed out. He says, "I've been up for three days. You know, I I just left my girlfriend." And he goes to his friend's house, and then he tells his friend, "He's like, listen, I don't mean to bring you in this, but there's monsters after me, and Mm -hmm. they're going to come to your house too, and." The guys and the guys like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, you can't see them; only I can. Mm. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so he like accommodates his friend. He brings him in, and like you know, David will just be staring at the corner. He's like, hey man, there's there's one of them on the floor, and it's coming towards us. Like uh, uh, David, o- the possession. of David O'Reilly is fucking fantastic. It's a fucking terrifying movie. It's really good. And this actually, kind of have, reminds-
1: I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah,
2: and this and this reminded me of that. Um, just a little bit more lo-fi because p- Possession of David, o- David O'Reilly has some fucking fabulous monster effects. Like those creatures in the movie are fucking fantastic. Uh, really, yeah, really I, great movie.
1: Yeah, I remember it being uh, – it's, it's a little – I think it's a little slow, but I think it's really – it's just yeah, interesting you know, it, what it, it does. A, yeah.
2: yeah, that's what I'm saying. It kind of takes a while to get there. Same thing with They Look Like People. That's why I kind of compare the two because – you know, it leaves you so long thinking, like, is he crazy or is this shit really happening? And mm-hmm. I love when movies do that, where you're kind of on the fence too, right? Because you don't whether or not to believe, you don't know to believe David O'Reilly in that movie. You're like, is he fucking crazy? Is he seeing things? And once the answer's said, you're like, holy fuck, this is awesome. You know, this is a really cool idea that they fuck with your head this much, and the movie can go either way. Um, but anyways, I really, really dug it. I hope that it's uh, it's seen a little bit more because it's you know it feels like one of those things is going to kind of get shoved, um, you know, tucked away and hardly ever seen. Kind of like how the possession of David, David O'Reilly was, but that's right. IFC's fault because that's before IFC was just releasing shit on DVD and then mm-hmm. charging thirty bucks on Amazon to buy it.
1: That that premise though sounds a lot similar to like like Take Shelter, for example. You know, with Michael yeah, Shannon. exactly, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's another one. So definitely check it out. It's on Vudu to rent. Um, it's a really fucking cool little indie. So cool. support it.
0: All right, nice, awesome. All right, I got a few things here. I'll I'll run through them. Go for it, and then we'll uh, move along here. Um, the first one that I watched was I I have I have this gigantic to watch pile, and I've started just grabbing things off the top. And, uh, so the first, what I grabbed earlier in the week was 2012's The Tall Man with Jessica Beale. and Mm -hmm. directed by Pascal, I don't know how to pronounce the last name.
2: Isn't like Lugier or something like that? Something like that? I forget what it is. But it's
0: French, so I'm thinking like Lugier. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah.
2: So
0: (laughs) in my head, I think. But, um... I didn't know, really know what to expect from this one because, I mean, you know, uh, he, he, I mean, he directed Martyrs and it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So um, the basic premise of this is basically kind of a Slender Man type story where uh, children have been supposedly you know, kidnapped by a tall man. There's a legend in this small town. Um, it was like a mining town or something like that, but once all the mining stopped, it's very, you know, poverty has crept in and, and, um, everyone's just trying to survive day to day and children have been disappearing for a while. So, um, so Jessica Biel's character, you know, her son gets kidnapped during the film and, and, and she's trying to track down who abducted her son and, and these other missing children. Um, there's a lot more below the surface to the film, and I think this is one of those that got kind of brushed under the rug. It's just an, another little supernatural thriller, and um, with Jessica Biel, I guess. And and it, I know the reviews were pretty bad. It didn't really do very well, but I loved the hell out of this thing. I'm I, I
2: enjoy sure it too. I'm with you. It, I think the problem was is that it was promoted. As kind of a slender man horror film, and kind of once it you find out exactly what's going on, it is more or less of a drama, mm-hmm. and I think that ruined it for people. But I thought it was much more special because that's a kind of original when movies do that. They is, yeah
0: I, I like a turn sur- yeah I liked being this movie surprised me in in many ways I haven't been surprised lately, and and you know maybe it didn't turn out the movie isn't what people were expecting or whatever but I think this is one of those that at least give it a rent, at least check it out, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by it. But I I, I loved it. I think uh, Pascal's direction is just fantastic with the film. Um, it looks really good. Jessica Biel is turning in like a hell of a performance here. Like, she's not just trying to write, write it in or, you know, just trying to sleepwalk her way through a role. Like, she's, you know, um, she's really good in this. And... Uh, so, and anyway, I think it's one of those movies that kind of gets shit on and people don't want to give it a chance, but I, I'd, I'd say, you know, after watching it, you know, it's definitely worth at least renting. And I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or anything, but, um, it's
2: always cheap. Like on
0: Blu-ray, I, I bought the Blu-ray for like three two. bucks. Yeah. So
2: I don't know. I'm, I'm behind you on that one. I, I really dig the movie. I always thought I got an unfair treatment. Yeah. Um, I, I really dug it quite a bit too.
1: J- I've had it in my I've, I've had it in my queue forever, and mm-hmm. I just never watched it because it was always panned. Every time somebody watched it, they would say, you know, it, it sucked or it wasn't worth it or whatever. And I saw Sean's tweets recently, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I gotta, I should bump this up. I, I should check this out. Uh, Sean I mean, liked it's it, not,
0: so. you know, I mean, if you're expecting something like martyrs, like you're going to be disappointed. Oh, yeah no, I, it's think, I think, more... I think that's
2: stemming from too yeah you're right is that his past movies like house of voices is really good uh you know it's pretty creepy and then of course the tall um martyrs fucking you know one of the better um you know kind of that new wave uh french thing that lasted only for like two minutes <laughs> you know well all the movies that came out of that were great though mm-hmm. um and then the tall man i think that was kind of a different speed for him and i I just think it was preconceived notions of what people thought they were going to get. Uh, the general audience thought they were going to get like a you know hardcore like you know creepy uh, you know movie. And once it you know, once you find out what's going on, it's it's a you know it's a very neat little idea. Um, yeah. You know, it's I, I like movies that like you said you like being surprised. There's a few surprises in this movie that are pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You know. Yep. Worth cool checking
0: out. I, and, and I like that it's you know, it's rated R, but it's not gratuitous. It's rated R in a realistic sense, you know? Um, yeah. It just made that, I think, through language and, and, and stuff. It wasn't... Uh, Did so, it
2: come... I'm sorry, go ahead. No,
0: sure. I was expecting some just sort of... I was expecting like a PG-13 kind of ghost story, you know, jump scare movie, you know? And that's not what I got. What I got was like a kind of a uh, mystery thriller or drama. I think it's the a better way to to explain it. So,
2: I was going to say I thought it was released at the same time that Clive Owen movie was, but it's about a year apart, yeah. so never mind. Remember right. that Intruders? That was not oh, a very yeah. good movie. I haven't uh, seen that. Anyways. yeah, I did not like that movie. Yeah. All
0: right, and so the next film I watched, the next. Uh, film that was underneath Tall Man was 2014's The Last Survivors. I know, Brad, you saw this when it first came out on Blu-ray. Oh,
2: yeah, dude. I, I fucking dug that movie. Uh,
0: directed point. by Thomas S. Hammock. Um, yeah. yeah it
2: got a I, cool fucking cast, too. I,
0: it was okay. You know, it was like... I don't know. I, I liked the idea of it, but I thought it was... Uh, it it kind of got... It, the execution was a bit weak, in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I dug it. I, it's it's like a sm- small-scale po- post-apocalyptic movie.
0: They do a really w- good job of setting up the world and the stakes that are involved. Um, and I, I like the twist on kind of water rights. You know, someone can own the land, but, you know, this one guy owns the water. I think that's a great I- idea. And and, then, and that's true. Like, I used, well, I used to be working for a, a land developer eight years back, and we had some issues with some land that we owned that uh, one of our clients owned they owned the land they wanted to build on it but someone else owned the rights of the water underneath so we had like like sort out like oh, water rights so the fact that this one guy in this in this film last survivors is, is claiming all the water and going through and you know killing anyone who's drinking his water is a great idea and a great setup you know with this teenage girl fighting against you know, yeah, that water, this water bearing guy. So it's a great idea, I think. You know, maybe it's expectations, um, but I, I would. It's a solid rental for me. Like I would say, you know, if you, if you're interested in it, definitely give it a watch. It didn't. It wasn't boring. It wasn't horrible. I just thought it wasn't as. I don't know. It was just something off.
2: Brad said it was.
0: It wasn't as good as Brad said it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, everyone's doing a good job. Like nobody's. It, it's. It's a better low-budget movie for sure. And they, yeah. they definitely make the budget work for them because they do a really good job of, of setting up the world and, and what yeah. what they do to survive on a daily basis and, and what the stakes are. So, And the bad guy is a sleazeball. He's really good. He's been in other stuff. Um,
2: I forget uh, his name now.
0: I forget his name, but he's, he's really good. And then uh, Barbara Crampton shows up for like a minute.
2: Yeah, well, she—I mean, she—she she shows up a couple times, but uh-huh. it's—you uh, know—I—I it, I do like—you um, know—that there's actually a few—you um, know—a few cameos. Uh, oh, oh uh, John John Grease, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: He, he played. Yeah, couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Wolfman has nards. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's got a few little cameos of. Uh, um, Veteran kind of indie indie movie actors, so uh, I, I I dug I dug it quite a bit. Yeah, I'd be yeah, interested uh, in,
0: in following this this director and, and writer, like you know, see what they have next. I mean, you know.
2: Yeah, I actually, uh, I was thinking Adam Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett are in it too. They play two of the soldiers. Oh, really? They have a little funny part.
0: Well, um, yeah, because he does. He's been involved with them on the guest and you're next.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 that community. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I like it too. Um, it's just that kind of small indie community cool. that uh, that made it. But anyways,
0: yeah. anyway, that's the last survivors. I'd, I'd say if it's on Netflix, you know, and you're, you want to watch something post apocalyptic, give it a chance. But um, that's about it for that. Uh, next, the final film that I watched, uh, The Revenant, came out last week on Blu-ray. And, and I had to finally check it out. Like, because so many people were complaining about it and just shitting all over the director, Alejandro Inaritu. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Inarritu. That's right. You got it. Yeah. Inarritu. I, I, yeah. I was Inarritu. Almost, the squiggles above the N and the A. And I, I don't, you know. But um, I really love Birdman. I think um, that got unfairly shit on as well i think sometimes when these movies get nominated for oscars people just want to just Mm -hmm. you know just hate on him but i think i think he's a really talented director i don't think he's a one trick pony i don't think he's you know going for any gimmicks or anything um i loved birdman and how the how the camera followed everyone and and the soundtrack to that and just the the thematic how he rolls in these themes of of uh, art and what art is and, you know, it, birdman's great. I love Birdman and, and uh, mm-hmm. so I was excited to see The Revenant because I wanted to see, you know, this is kind of a darker material based on, you know, kind of sort of based on true events with Leonardo DiCaprio um, playing Hugh Glass and there's a bunch of, you know, I, apparently these are all based on real people, but it's, it's definitely, you know, um, not, it's based on a true story or inspired by true events, not, you know, not a true story. Mm-hmm. But um, the basic setup is, is Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Hugh Glass, survives a, a bear attack and is basically left for dead. And um, he basically wants to track down the guy that left him for dead. Is <laughs> the basic setup of the film. And it's, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio versus, you know, the elements in... Uh, in the 1800s and i just love the film i loved how it was shot again like how he his cinematographer uh, is <clears throat> is incredible the use of of real natural light gave the film just a real natural look cuz that's one thing with films that are take place at night or you know around a fire the the light never looks right you know and I I loved that the light looked it's like the first movie I think the light looked re- like totally the way it should mm-hmm. for better or for worse but I, I'm glad that he went with it and I you know I, I don't know I love this film I think it's a work of art like just the just everything about it the how this it's a simple story but how it's told um, is it, great and it's not Just, you know, Leo DiCaprio on screen crawling across, you know, mud and and snow the whole movie. It's, it's, there's definite acts to the film. There's definite beginning and end. And, um, you get to know a lot of these characters. Uh, They're all, they're all pretty great. Tom Hardy, I think, is fantastic. People were making fun of his accent, but I mean, I've heard people talk like that. So, (laughs) you know, so I don't, I don't know. But, um, I was great, man. Uh, it's the uh, the action scenes in it are just you know there's a few action beats in it that are amazing,
1: yeah, watch. I like the movie a lot too i you know my problem I think with the movie is more so with a lot of the flashback stuff that they do too okay. that um you know i I feel like it it in some ways takes you out of what's happening because you're so into mm-hmm. you know his you know this basically his his struggle and journey to get you know to you know, go through this whole process of, of, of getting his revenge. But then he has these like flashback sequences that I'm like, wait, what's going on? You know, and you're like, right. And, you know, it's, it's stuff that honestly, you know, if you took those out, I think it would be just a tighter film because you'd be like way into just this one, you know, Mm -hmm. his, his single focus of just trying to survive and get his revenge. Right. Yeah, And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that was, that was, you know, other than that, you know, I think, you know, I thought it was, just like you said, Sean, I think it was, it was pretty amazing. So
0: the special feature on it, the documentary, like the only special feature on the Blu-ray, which I was super bummed that there wasn't more, Mm -hmm. um, is pretty pretentious. (laughs) really? (laughs) I will say that. I mean, it's kind of, uh, Alejandro reflecting on the film and and the environment and things like that. And it's, Uh you know, I mean, it's, I don't know, man, he's just a passionate guy, you know, you can't fault him for that but it was a little like okay because they had to go to some other country because they're in canada and there was no snow that year so they had to go so they of course they bring up global warming and stuff which is you know it's it's great but i want to see how the film's made and you know if you want to do a documentary on global warming and the environment fantastic sign me up you know i'll watch that but but there was a there was some cool things like some things that they discovered and and you know, with a lot of like the native American kind of perspective um, is pretty mm-hmm. fantastic in that documentary. So there's some things to glean from it, but it's a little bit on the pretentious side, you know, it's, but right. which I can see, I guess that's why people give him shit, <laughs> but, but the film itself, man, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite films of 2015 and I'm kicking myself for not seeing it on the, on the big screen. Cause it looks incredible. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So Brad hasn't seen it yet.
2: No, I have not uh, attempted. I will soon, though. I will.
0: I will. You'll
1: yeah. see. It. It's it's worth seeing for sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <sighs>
0: yep. And that's all I got. Cool. Right on. All right. So let's take a uh, – we're going to take a quick break for news with Josh Obershaw, and we'll be right back to talk about some show Kasugi. All right, we are here with Josh Obershaw with the news. You got to say it all serious, you know. This is important the stuff. The news. What's up? <laughs> What's up, Josh? I'm good. How are you, Sean? Doing very, very good. Um, I'll go ahead and start off here. I have one news item that I'll talk about, and then I will turn things over to you, if that's okay. Sounds good. All right. What you got? Um, let's see here. The... Uh, the Record label, Rustblade Records, from uh, from Italy, is releasing Lucio Fulci's Conquest soundtrack by Claudio Simonetti on vinyl.
3: Whoa. It's a
0: limited edition. <laughs> of course. Uh, it's a smoke vinyl, looks beautiful, uh, limited to 499 copies. So... Um, the cover art looks amazing. This thing looks gorgeous. You can go to the website, of course, uh, thescreamcast.com and see that there. But, um, it's so for the first time ever on vinyl. It's, uh, it's the, the rousing and electric soundtrack to the film, uh, is being released for the first time on vinyl. Um, and I, and I think that's all we got as far as the news goes. I and mean, I'm super excited about it hearing this thing, I mean I love Conquest it's one of those movies that I really hope comes to blu-ray at some point
3: Oh so do I I love that movie
0: Um it's a very soft looking film cuz of all those all the fog they use in it but um you know if, if somebody can do some sort of collector's edition type thing of that film it'd be amazing It's a bit of an oddball batshit flick but uh I like it cuz of that Um it's going to be this the soundtrack's going to be released on July 29th you can pre order it directly from their website. I'll have the link in the show notes and of course it's on the story link here. It's Rustblade.com. Um, and you'll you'll find it right, right there. So they previously had released the uh, deep red soundtrack as well uh, earlier last year. And um, I believe that sucker got sold out, but um but they they're you know, every now and then I'll get a press release from these guys. And, uh, you know, it's pretty great to see that they're they're doing this stuff.
3: And with only 495 copies, that thing is going to sell out in minutes. I know that.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. All right, Josh, what do you got, man?
3: Well, uh, there was one title that was announced a couple of weeks ago, but I held off until we got some uh, concrete details about it, and that is the 1981 Australian thriller, Road Games. Yeah. That is going to be coming to Blu-ray, courtesy of Umbrella Entertainment. And the extras that are going to be on this, there's going to be a brand new 4K Master. There's going to be a commentary with director Richard Franklin, a featurette called Kangaroo Hitchcock, The Making of Road Games, and it'll feature interviews with Richard Franklin and star Stacey Keach. There's... Also, a two-hour lecture on the making of the film from Richard Franklin. There's also this – this is an interesting uh, feature. It's co-producer Barbie Taylor and composer Brian May from uh, 1980. Now, not the guitarist from Queen, mind you. This is um, – he's a a composer who's done movies like Mad Max, The Road Warrior, uh, Freddy's Dead, and probably the last big thing he scored was Dr. Giggles. So, Yeah. Not the Queen's Brian May, totally different Brian May. But, anyways, there's also a stills gallery, some new artwork for the front of your Blu ray, a trailer, and here's the best part, folks it's region free. So, if you're not going to wait around for an American company to put this out on Blu ray, invest in this one because you'll be able to play it. Yep. And we also have a release date, too. This thing is coming out July 6th, so make a note of that. Next up, we've got Friday Foster, starring Pam Greer. This one's coming out from um, 88 Films. Now, there's no release date or extras to report just yet. This this was 88 Films just saying, hey, we're going to be putting this out. But still, this is definitely one to look out for. They also announced a couple of other uh, films in their Friday announcements. They also announced Messenger of Death, which is the 1988 Canon film. Starring, of course, Charles Bronson, directed by J. Lee Thompson. There's no other details to report on that. And lastly comes Beyond the Darkness, which is directed by Joe Demano, who people know directed the film Anthropophagus. I'm glad I said that right.
0: <laughs> I can never say it right. And <laughs>
3: I've practiced quite a bit. <laughs> The one detail I can tell you about this one is 88 Films promises that this will be an uncut version of Beyond the Darkness.
0: Okay. Um, I have the Australian Blu-ray. And I'm not sure if mine's cut or not, so I'll have to check that out.
3: Yeah, I have to do a little bit of research on on that, find out which. how long is the cut version yeah. versus how long the the original is. Because last
0: year, um, Umbrella Films from Australia released it, and, I, and it was super cheap, and I snagged it.
3: Very cool. But I
0: haven't watched it yet. <laughs>
3: next up uh some more good news any fans out there of the burbs from joe dante with uh tom hanks hell yeah because because uh that's coming to u.s blu-ray finally and um here's the interesting part it's gonna be a best buy exclusive you're only gonna buy you're only gonna be able to get this from best buy why i don't know but Universals putting it out and they're gonna be releasing it on may twenty fourth so cool.
0: I mean, that means that basically means that um it will be it'll be released like on Amazon and stuff like that like maybe like three or four months later is usually what happens
3: oh okay, because I know they have best Buy exclusives, but what they mean by best buy uh, exclusive is you know an exclusive packaging or a few little
0: details like it just means it's out it's out before everything else right.
3: That's the first time I've heard of it of a specific title itself being an exclusive, but okay. I get it now.
0: Yeah. 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 No, they, they've done in the past and it said, it's always said best by exclusive and it, it just means it's out. I mean, I, am I, I could be wrong. I don't think I am said so there's been other things that have been released months earlier through them. And then I've seen them on, you know, on Amazon and stuff like that, you know, in other places a few months later. So, Okay. Hopefully that's right. I mean universal would be stupid to just limit it just to Best Buy. I mean Best Buy you know, they don't really care that much about physical media that much anyway.
3: I know it's pretty sad walking into a Best Buy these days and just <laughs> seeing seeing the uh the the Blu-ray and DVD section, it it's just it's just sad.
0: Okay, move along before we get into
3: <laughs> I know. Um keeping up with the good news, keeping the good vibes going on. Uh I got some last minute edition. I got a last-minute addition for you. Um, today. Screen Factory just announced that they'll be releasing on Blu-ray Psycho 4, The Beginning. So all you fans out there nice. who've got Psycho, Psycho 2, and Psycho 3 on Blu-ray and are one hoping that the fourth one will be out, it is coming out. It is coming out on August 23rd. The extras are still in progress for this one. So that's all the news I have for Psycho 4, but that's, that's pretty exciting. Cool, yeah. So that's pretty much as far as title announcements. I do have a couple of updates from Screen Factory I want to share really quick. Uh, One involves the two-disc collector's edition of Return of the Living Dead. We just got word that there's going to be, uh, I mean, as if there's enough bonus features as it is for this thing. (laughs) We've got a commentary with uh, actor Tom Matthews, who plays Freddy, and John Philbin, who plays Chuck. And the commentary also includes makeup effects artist Tony Gardner. And I also have word that the movie Lady in White has been pushed back to August 30th. And the reason why is because they are working really closely with the film's director, Frank LaLogia. And he's, quote, providing some unique added value that he has, to op- that he has offered to help with creating. So huh. that's going to be uh, interesting to find out what those bonus features are. And uh, that's all the news I have,
0: Sean. Awesome. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week, guys. Make sure you follow the Screamcast.com for all the news uh, whenever it gets posted. It seems like the news days seem to happen like later in the week. So I'll, I know you'll post a lot. Of, you'll write everything up on Friday, then hopefully I'll see it in time. But then most of the time we'll be, they'll be trickling every Monday. The news trickles in. So, but but always go to the you know the screamcast.com, Check out the latest news and updates. <laughs> all right so today we are talking the films of show kasugi um arrow just released a couple blu-rays recently uh, within like, what past couple months of pray for death and rage of honor giving them the arrow treatment which is pretty incredible um one thing I want to highlight on these is there they have a, a feature interview with him called Show and Tell Part One on Pray for Death, and then Show and Tell Part Two on Rage of Honor, and that it's great to kind of see him reflect on his career.
4: Yeah,
2: I, I dug those too because you get to see doesn't get like you know he doesn't get that attitude of being like a great you know great martial artist or anything. He's just really a, you know just a chill old guy. So yeah, the show and tell things are pretty cool.
1: What is is the show and tell an extra feature? I'm sorry. I just yes. I'm just curious I, I'm, Yeah, right. it's,
0: a, it's an extra feature on the uh, on the on these Blu-rays. I think these are the first Blu-rays that actually have given like one of his movies other than you know Ninja 3 uh only other Blu-rays that have really given his movies like a collector's edition type treatment.
2: Right. But I mean, even Ninja Three is just a bare bones movie.
0: Is there's some extra stuff on there, isn't there? I can't remember. We talked about it. Uh, our, I
2: didn't. I didn't think so. Our
0: first year.
1: Yeah,
2: I remember. <laughs> Whoa, it must have been a really bad show.
1: No, I remember because because you, you mentioned my name. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>
2: Anyways, this is this is our uh Japanese expert J- J- Japanese cinema expert Jay
0: Hopkinson. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Jay, uh when what, what what's your uh what was your first experiences with the uh, Show Kasugi film? You know,
1: for for me, you know, you know, growing up in the 80s, you know, that was, you know, the, these movies like Enter the Ninja and yeah. Revenge of the Ninja, you know, these were like they kind of set the tone for for all these action movies, especially the of films of the 80s. And so when we saw Enter the Ninja, it sort of was this, you know, it was like a revelation for us. Like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. You know, it's like we want to be ninjas now. So, <laughs> you know, we would, you know, I would like buy Black Belt Magazine and look at all the ads for all the like the ninja gear you could buy. And it's like, OK, we got to get these and we got to get, you know, all these, you know, hand claws and Tetsubishis, be and all these like little, you know, all the all the all the gear that the ninja had, and we actually me and my best friend actually ordered like ninja costumes or ninja <laughs> outfits because we're like we got to do it, man. We we, we want to be ninjas. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think for us, you know, Enter the Ninja is sort of like a kind of a <clears throat> you could point to that film as really you know setting the the standard for mm-hmm. all these all these ninja films we're, that none were really great films, but they were all very similar. And it sort of ushered in the you know all the, the American Ninja series <laughs> and a lot of these other movies that were made. So, you know, I, I think, you know, show shows up in uh, the in End of the Ninja's like actually the the bad guy, the, the villain in that mm-hmm. movie. And I think uh I think Golan uh 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 Golan when he directed that movie saw something in him and said, you know what, I think we can make a franchise out of this. <laughs> and so yeah, we made Revenge of the Ninja, which is like supposed, you know, kind of part of that, but even though it's a completely different character, mm-hmm. completely different story. And then, of course, Ninja 3, Domination, which again, not really related at all, but whatever, still features, <laughs> still features show, uh, Kasugi. So, yeah. you know, so that was, yeah, you know, we watched those movies like over and over again, especially like Revenge of the Ninja. is like that and, and Enter the Ninja, we watched a lot. And, you know, so that was really my first experience, um, in seeing those and, Just getting really deep into like just ninja movies, you know, like we got to watch every ninja movie now. So, (laughs) you know, even like all the, you know, Godfrey Ho movies, just the really bad ones, um, which I like to call the cartoon ninjas because they're all wearing different colored, you know, camo ninja outfits and red ninja outfits, white ninja outfits, blue, Mm -hmm. yellow, whatever, you know, just a lot of silly stuff. Those really don't make
0: any practical sense, right? And aren't ninjas supposed to be invisible no. against the black or uh or, or yeah, is they
1: you know. yeah not really i mean it just depends <laughs> on the story you, you you see all these like just yeah they're all, they're all they're all pretty crazy but you know i think a lot of that you know you could you, seriously i mean you could point back to you know enter the ninjas being really the one and and i think that one really launched you know shokasugi's career through the 80s you know and there was like a short window of time that you know he you know he was a a lead in in these movies and you know you and i think it was really interesting because I, I know when Brad reached out to me, he's like, Hey, we're going to do the show on show Kasuki. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, you know, it's like, I haven't seen a lot of these movies in a while, but I, I can certainly, you know, discuss them because I've seen them enough times. But I think it was interesting that you chose this now, given everything that's going on with Hollywood and whitewashing and everything that's happening. And then here you have this period of time in the eighties, you know, from the early eighties to the mid eighties, where you actually had a lead, uh, you know, actor who was a Japanese transplant. I mean, he came from Japan and, you know, moved to Hollywood and was making these movies and was the star, um, which, you know, I don't think you would, you'll, you'll see anything like that probably.
2: No, Uh, because I mean, not, not to knock on show or anything, but like, you know, he was, he was cast, you know, in in such a way that no, no one would do today because his deliveries are off. He's hard to understand. Yep. You know, it was definitely buddy filmmaking. You know, yeah. it was like, hey, want to make an action movie? Yeah, I know a guy who can do that shit. He might not be able to act, but he'll be great. You know, the choreography for it, instead of fight scenes and, and stuff like that. And it just, it's really special because you probably won't ever get that. Unless it's like an independent movie. But something right. as mainstream as this was, you know, putting out by, you know, canon and being put in theaters across the, you know, United States and everywhere else. You you just Mm -hmm. won't see that anymore.
1: Right. And I think that's, you know, I think that was part of like trying to be, you know, more authentic, authentic. authentic, I can't even say it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Let Sean Sean do that for you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Authentic. Yeah, Yeah, authentic. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think it was just trying to be more true to what that, you know, if you've got a ninja, it's like, okay, well, it should be somebody Japanese, you know, so. You know, and and I think that's you know essentially which led to American Ninja and all the other movies where it's just like, hey, let's let's do this, but you know, cast you know, um, DudaKov, you know, it's that's what happened.
0: Just, American Ninja fucked everything up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's you know, it's it's fine, but you know, it's just I think that was you know part of it. It's like yeah. it makes it believable, I guess. Well, well I also, some, uh, you
2: know. If you ever see a ninja in the movie with an AK 47, you autom- automatically know he's bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because the real ninjas didn't have weapons that you've seen on their bodies. They just pull them out of their sleeves and shit. Right. Right. So.
0: But, uh, but they're Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe. Yeah. He had an Uzi, so. <laughs> and he's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have some, I have a few show Kasugi facts that I've culled. Okay. Um, so as a child in Japan, he was initially brushed off by his martial arts instructor as not being talented, but he stuck with his training and he played baseball hmm. as a pitcher through high school. And then when he was 19, he failed his college entrance exams twice, hmm. uh, but he kept on uh, going. And in 68, 1968, he moved to LA and began teaching martial arts. And apparently, his first acting gig was in Godfather Two. I'm not sure what role he was in. He must have been an extra. Yeah. He was in Godfather Two, and then in 1982, as Jay, like Jay was saying, uh, Revenge of the Ninja, the second film was the one that really kicked his career in, into high gear. Mm-hmm. And then in '85, I guess he did some TV. Then in 1985, he teamed up with Gordon Hes- uh, Gordon Hessler for Pray for Death and Rage of Honor. And then he was also like the, the martial arts choreographer on both those films. And then uh, mm-hmm. in Rage of Honor, of course, he designed some of the weapons, including the exploding ninja star. Nice. So those are my yeah, show I, I think, facts.
2: Yeah, I think in uh, when I was watching uh, Rage of Honor, he's credited as the weapons creator. Yeah. So all those crazy weapons he has in Rage of Honor were him, but I mean they're not that crazy. I mean they they look like legit weapons, but it's just you know it's like how many times does Rage of Honor actually end? Because it feels like it ends like <laughs> a couple. Three different, it ends three different times, but uh, I mean it's it, it's it's still a great movie. Um, I mean in and, and he he's a lot of fun. I mean that's the thing is with with any films with Shoukazugi playing the lead, you're getting into, you know, just a fun, you know, and he, he's very charismatic too. Like he, he's really fun to watch. And, you know, it was one thing on, this, uh, on the special features on Rage of Honor with the show and tell part two, he discussed about how, you know, he's coming from all these ninja movies. And so the producer was like, you know, Shoukazugi, no ninja, no no ninja. That's what he says. He goes... You know, more James Bond, and you could totally tell watching this movie. It is more espionage, and he says it's more of a D.A. You know, crime fighter rather than being a ninja, and it's true. Uh, But every once in a while, you know, I'll be in a tuxedo with a gun, doing my James uh, Bond pose, (laughs) and all of a sudden I'm out of ammo, but I have a ninja star in my sock,
4: and I throw
2: one. You know, and it's just like there's like little dabs of uh, of ninja shit in there, but um. Just a, just a really, like, it, he's, like, that's what I like about the films is that he's just a lot of fun. And,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, I'm still trying to figure out why does he wear the eyeliner at certain parts? Because his- he's
0: in ninja mode.
2: I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Because it's really bizarre that sometimes it won't even be when he's fighting. He'll just have a scene where he's wearing, like, some hardcore eyeliner. <laughs>
4: yeah, I
2: um, but, uh, I mean, pray it, it for pray for death for, you know, a second. It, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we talked about it on the show a couple times so we won't uh, go too much into it. But that was another film. I mean, these are like directed back to back from Gordon Hessler making making both of these films.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, fucking Shokazugi plays like a mini shredder um, you know, <laughs> yeah. this outfit looks like <laughs> Shredder plays, you know, a ninja movie where, or a ninja movie, he, he plays a ninja in the movie and, you know, his kids like ninjas and want you know, ask him to be a ninja. You know, it, it is, it almost is like kind of a family drama at times, but uh, more or less a straightforward ninja movie coming off, you know, the enter the ninja, uh, revenge of the ninja and ninja three domination mm-hmm. um, <laughs> where, I mean, a uh, show has a bit part, Playing, uh, the, the ninja that kills everybody in the beginning. Right. Um, but you know, it, it's fun to watch him transition, uh, especially with these two arrow releases doing kind of a very straightforward, generic ninja movie to trying to branch out and do something else for kind of the American audiences. And that's one thing he goes into detail about on, on, uh, kind of the documentary is, is why he did that. And, uh, you know, it was funny because he said after this, he's like, "Okay, didn't work. Let's go back to ninja movies." Um, <laughs> sadly, he didn't do too many ninja movies after
0: that. No, did he did. There's Black Eagle with Van Damme. He did, he which was is in, great. He was in Blind Fury. Um,
2: the Roger Howard movie.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And then there's a movie that I haven't seen called Who Kiguto. is he in
2: Bl- Who is he in Blind Fury? I've seen that movie like. A lot when I was little, and I
1: don't, I and mean, I haven't
2: watched it in a while, but.
1: that well, it's been a few years since I've seen it. I'm, I can't think of his character
0: in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and he assa- he, he the plays ninja. the assassin.
2: Uh, he's a ninja in black. You just probably
1: don't see his face. Yeah.
0: So. yeah. But then he did fun. a drama in 1991 called Kabuto. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: wasn't that directed by Hessler too?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. He said he worked with Hessler like five times.
0: Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah. It looks like it has you know bad ratings here. Dra- it was a drama action film, um, and I'm you know it looks like a kind of a period uh, Japanese film, Mm-hmm. Uh, a samurai film. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd be interested in tracking that thing down instead of ninjas. Have, have you seen that Jay at all? No, I have not. Hmm. Not sure it's available, but it probably not. Not, worth looking up.
4: It's
2: probably not as good as Rage of Honor.
0: Well, probably not, but I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for these kind of, you know, period Japanese films.
2: So I'm kind of curious of how kind of Rage of Honor plays with people, because it is kind of a – to start, it is a very slow kind of goofy movie. It doesn't really know where it's going until kind of last, like 20
0: minutes. Yeah, the last 20 minutes, all of a sudden it's like, here we go. It becomes the end of Rambo. Yeah.
2: You know, so – um but definitely definitely a, a a fun film and i mean it's like i i like it personally because if you listen to the dialogue and really follow along with the movie you can have a lot of fun with it because you kind of get to see like how goofy it is with the opening song that plays that sounds like it's billy ocean but i don't think it's billy <laughs> o-
0: the opening song's
2: amazing um, you know, and this is a, another part of kind of the Trans World Entertainment line that uh that um that Show did, which I think I mentioned on one of the other shows um when I was talking about Pray for Death, Transworld uh, Trans World Entertainment released those ninja theater movies. And uh and Show was the actual, you know, host of those right. segments and you know, he would come out and like show his like ninja gear and you know, do
1: like of, a demo, right? He'd yeah, do like yeah, a little and demonstration. It, yeah. Demos and
2: be like little mini movies of like him hunting other ninjas <laughs> and shit yeah. like that. I I think I have like two or three of them. Let's look right. at I have a ninja or Phoenix of the Ninja and Ninja something. I can't read it from here, but anyways, you, you, they're a lot of fun if you can ever find them, they're big boxes and you know it's uh, his ninja theater. But uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. But one thing about this one is that. I just like how everything's set up from the very first few minutes where the boat attack happens and show puts the gun in the guy's butthole, basically, (laughs) Um, you know, uh, the the floppy disc that, you know, the probably five megabyte floppy disc that they're after that doesn't serve much of a purpose in, uh, in the movie. Um, You kind of wonder like, why are they after the disc? Because I know it has codes on it, but what are the codes too exactly? <laughs> like I, I, I don't, I don't know if I completely yeah. blanked. I, I've seen the movie a couple times, but I mean, like I said, I'm paying attention, but it's just like I kind of missed that part because it, it's that's not even the plot of the movie. Mm-mm. I mean, there actually isn't a plot of Rage of Honor because it ends. Like I said, it ends three times. We have our lead uh, bad guy, who's that Louis. Um, dude who gets his ass beat in that Bugsy movie Mm -hmm. by Warren Beatty. (laughs) Um, But it's really funny because in the beginning when they're kind of, the cops are dying, he says to show about the guy, he's like guys about six feet tall. He's in his twenties, dude, that guy's like has gray hair. He's in his (laughs) fifties. Like The lead guys in his fifties, like at least pick a younger actor. But dude, that guy is literally—he's in his fifties and he has long, like, and he has gray hair throughout his like, fucking mm-hmm. awesome wavy hair. But um, you know, it, it's it's just shit like that. And it, you know, it's you know, watching these films in HD and 1080p, you kind of notice the goofs. And man, show has a lot of fucking stuntmen do his stunts in the movie.
0: My yeah. my favorite is when he shoots a guy and the guy falls from the scaffolding or whatever. And is an obvious dummy is amazing.
2: <laughs> well, the dummies, I think uh, dummies are funny, but he has a lot of people just shooting each other because he does like tricks to trick them. Right. And he just moves out of the way. But there's some times where he just does these like crazy fucking flips through the air. And, uh, you know, being that it is HD, you can totally tell. I mean, you know, you're not going to probably insurance wise. You got to fucking hire stuntmen to do
0: that. Of course, he jumps but over it, like a speeding car.
2: Yeah, dude.
4: And that it fucking
2: drops a grenade in it. Yeah. Like, like, how fucking cool is that shit? Um, you know, the, but just pulling out the weapons, and the smallest fucking nunchucks I've ever seen in my entire life are in this movie. He, like, <laughs> pulls them from his sleeve, and they're like little pencils with a chain. Mm-hmm. And he's beating the shit out of people with these things. Um but, I mean, everything from kind of the Rambo-esque thing where they end up, like, in the woods and the, the tribal people come and they try to shoot arrows on him when he's climbing up the wall. Um, you know, he has the river fight. And, you know, <laughs> it's like the guy basically practically drowns in this, like, pond that they're in. <laughs> um, but my favorite part is when he actually gets back, when it ends, like, the third time, um, he gets back to, like, the... Place at the hut, and they have that really wide shot of that ninja with that flamethrower. And at first, it just looks like it, he's shooting like a squirt gun, but all of a sudden, that fluid like ignites. Is someone copying what I'm saying? Because all I hear is keys happen.
4: <laughs> what is that?
2: Is someone writing a love
4: letter? I
2: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, but I I don't know. I, I really, I really dig the movie a lot. I mean, even the scenes, uh, that are goofy, it's just a really fun movie. It reminds me of watching, um, you know, Ronda Shear up all night, you know, type, type shit when I was little watching Mm -hmm. those movies, uh, you know, on, you know, Thursday nights, they had like, uh, uh, for, for it was monster vision was on thursday nights and you'd have up all night you know it was like early 90s for me like 92 93 watching oh yeah these films so i you know watch it watching like rage of honor um i would say that i've seen it but do i remember it now i was you know fucking like nine years old when i when i saw it so I, every once in a while i would see things that would pop up that i would remember I'd be like holy shit I remember seeing that when I was uh, little. So it's, it's fun revisiting some of these older action films. Um, it's just a shame show didn't have kind of a bigger career because yeah. he is so likable. We have Gary Daniels has made over 75 movies in his career, but shows made like five. Yeah, like, come on, know. fucking Gary Daniels. Get out of the way. <laughs> fucking mm-hmm. Gary Daniels is in Expendables, but show isn't. Give me a break.
1: Yeah, well, they did bring him back for Ninja Assassin. You know, he, he you know, yeah, he did. played.
2: What well, he played the lead villain in that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. He's he's in that, but I mean, all in all, he's you know he's pretty much gone at this. I mean, he's definitely older now, but it's yeah. weird. Um, maybe kind of the, I guess, low box office results uh, because I, I think that people maybe didn't dig it. With his lines, because he, he's he's very, you know, when he <laughs> delivers his lines, they kind of hit you dead in the face,
4: <laughs> right? You yeah, you
2: know, and especially yeah. when he's like talking to his wife and shit, like it's just they're just so flat, and, and yeah. it sucks. because he's such a likable guy and, and he's really fun to watch, but I mean,
0: I think that was just an unfortunate language barrier. I, I feel like he didn't, he wasn't that fluent fluent in English, English especially.
2: He sounds the same in the fucking interviews. Really?
0: Though. Okay. All right. I yeah. just
2: think I just think it's how he how he yeah.
1: speaks. Well, I think it's also. I mean, I don't think he was had any like professional training as an actor either. I think he was, you know, more hired because he had you know the ability you know to you know portray a ninja on screen and, and be somewhat believable. So, you know, he got casted, and then you know it's like, oh, okay. Well, you have to act too, and I think that's he's pretty wooden as an actor. Yeah. But, you know, it it, it lends a certain charm to it as well. I mean, you know, you think about some of the funny scenes. I I don't know if you you guys have seen Revenge of the Ninja. You know, he has that. There's that that blonde that doesn't wear any pants, you know, like in the movie. He's just like, you're not wearing pants. You know, that whole exchange is just hilarious, you know.
2: Just the opening when he's on the boat. You know, it's almost like at times the actors are kind of smiling at one another.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just because uh, it, it's the thing is, you know, watching these films, you know, this it, is Arrow's definitely releasing these for people that really enjoy this type of thing, because if you just come out of nowhere and try to watch Rage of Honor, you're probably going to hate it, being that you're going to watch a serious, you know, ninja movie.
1: Yeah, especially, but, uh, you know, if you haven't seen, you know, if you didn't either grow up with them or don't have any context for those movies, to watch them now, it's, you know, given the type of movies that we're used to seeing, you know, like the raid or other movies, you're like you're just right. not. It's just a totally different thing, right? Yeah,
2: you're not gonna you're not getting a badass. I mean, well, I mean, the last fifteen minutes of this movie is pretty fucking heavy with yeah.
5: uh, action. Oh yeah, but
2: for the most part, I mean, you're not getting uh, you know, a killer badass ninja flick. You're getting a goofy, you know, eighties ninja. Well,
0: that's why I find it important to when you get these error releases to flip it to the theatrical poster side. Because, you know, that that explains a lot more what the movie's would be like.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I think you these are like, they got some, they commissioned someone to do to do the artwork for these, and it's really awesome, like this awesome ninja artwork. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Really great artwork, but <clears throat> it doesn't really represent the goofiness of these movies. Flip them over, you got a special range of honor. <laughs> it's hilarious. Right. It's like yeah. jump kicking a guy holding a, he's holding a, a samurai sword or a ninja sword and, the guy has like a machine gun, and of course, there's flames in the background.
4: Surprised
2: That's what I want to see. Uh, he wasn't holding um, the sword in his mouth like he's underwater, and he puts the sword in his I mouth. Know. Well, if, if what you, a better, better, what a better way to store
1: a sword.
0: IMDb has the poster that uh, that I flipped it to, and of course, pray for death. Pray for death has him a cityscape, and then him in his uh, shredder costume. Like, <laughs> those, are, those <laughs> represent the film more. Than then the yeah, there was an awesome it, artwork that they did. They're their criterion you, style artwork.
2: You definitely know what you're getting into. Yeah. So,
0: I, I always, even though, even if the art's really cool, I always kind of have to flip these to the theatrical poster.
2: So, were these your first time seeing these, Sean? Or was this. Uh...
0: Oh, yeah. I. This is my first time because, you know, a few weeks back or a month or two months ago, I watched the. I watched the first two Ninja movies, Enter the Ninja and Return of the Ninja, for the first time. Oh wow! I don't think I'd ever seen them for some reason. I don't know why. I I'd, I'd seen American Ninja. My parents, I remember them renting these Ninja films. Like my parents watched all these Ninja movies, but I since they were rated R, they wouldn't let me. I had to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So I knew about them, and I saw the cases sitting you know on the VCR <laughs> at our house, <laughs> right. But I, I never watched them. I finally got around to watching them. Late in life. But uh but yeah, I mean, seeing all these, you know, I I need to rewatch Ninja Three, but um it's just like you don't get this type of film anymore. <laughs> know, even like Ninja Assassin, it tried to be that a little bit, but it was all like, the overuse of CGI in that movie killed it, killed the oh, yeah, charm yeah. that movie could have had. But still, like that's maybe the closest we can get to like an all out ninja film, but, well,
1: um, I mean, you've got, you've got Scott Atkins movies. I mean, oh, yeah. which are both, you know, pretty yeah.
2: I, I'm, well, let's see. I, I like Scott Atkins, but I'm actually not a fan of his ninja movies, but they do carry that. Yeah. Element yeah. Of old. Cause like, yep. I remember the, like the end of ninja, um, like they're like, it's obviously a set in somebody's backyard that looks like a street. <laughs> And it's like, that's super fucking cool looking. Um, I, I still didn't dig the movie all that much, but I really dug what they were trying to portray and the vibes they were given. Because, I mean, um, who's the director of that again? Um, oh, I don't know. He, he's been didn't, with didn't Scott Yeah, yeah. Didn't, yeah, Isaac didn't Florentine
1: Frank, direct those? Isaac,
2: yeah. yeah, Isaac Florentine. I mean, Isaac Florentine was making some fucking killer-ass movies in the 80s. And, um, you know, I think late, late 80s into the 90s. Or maybe it was just the late late nineties. He made like Desert Kickboxer, I think.
4: Right, but he, that's a he fun had a, movie.
2: You know, he had a lot of. Uh, you know, he's really good. That's why I watched. Um, just watched his at close range.
1: Yeah, close range. And, with Scott and, Atkins?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, that was a lot of fun. It felt mm-hmm. it felt like that. So, uh, in a way, I agree with you, Sean. But it, 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 you know, there are some people that are still trying. It maybe they are still trying to use those elements and mm-hmm. still trying to make those movie. It's definitely not popular.
5: And they're right. very
2: scene. But uh, at close range, Roman, I even, I think I tweeted, I, I wish that these guys were making movies together in the 80s because we would be having a show on that right now.
4: Well.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, I really I really dig that, um, those films and kind of what they're going for in those, so.
0: Yeah, I, I, I want to jump into so many. I have this, like, gigantic, um, like, I think it was a Mill, Mill Creek, Cult Cinema Collection, <laughs> big red yeah. box, and like the ends are all full of ninja titles. One is <laughs> yeah. one is Nine Deaths of the Ninja with Shokusui that opens up with a dance number.
1: Yeah, ninja that's ninja actually dancing. a that's actually a pretty good pretty good. Yeah, one. That, have, that's, that's a fun movie. One. Yeah, you, you've seen that before, Sean, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I watched it or I watched it late one night, um, and I think I was drunk.
1: Yeah, I had the big box VHS <laughs> that I watched. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but then we got uh, Ninja Death One, Ninja Death Two, Ninja Death Three, Ninja Empire, Ninja Heat, Ninja yeah. Champion. I mean, there's. I mean, think I, I need ninja, to break this uh, out and watch these
2: Ninja Empire on VHS.
0: Yeah, and those aren't those don't have Shokasugi, but I mean that's around the same time where that all these ninja movies just started. I
1: mean, yeah, they exploded. I mean, yeah. the eighties, it just exploded.
2: Yeah, I mean, ninjas Ninjas were the fucking zombies of the late 2000s. Yeah. And all the phases that we went. I mean, people liked ninja movies. uh, Mm -hmm. And they lasted for a long time. And, you know, people, just like the slasher train, people jumped aboard it. So there's a lot of those movies that, uh, you know, some of them were dubbed and released over here. Others just were lost. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, some were popular.
0: I -hmm. still want to see, like, a modern... Ninja film, not like Ninja Assassin, but like a straight up serious take on like battling clans of ninjas. It'd be awesome. Like think Braveheart style filmmaking with ninjas. You <laughs> know what I mean, yeah. Wow, that's uh... we get a lot of samurai films, but uh, you know, like, but but there's no no straight up ninja film set in Japan, all Japanese actors. Epic as hell and brutal as hell. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to see.
4: Why don't you make it, Sean?
0: Oh, I'll get, I'll get right on it.
4: Did, uh, did
2: you ever see that movie that Joe and Zach Carlson discovered, that Ninja ninja Annihilation War?
1: Um, No, I don't I don't think so.
2: Although well, they screened it at the Draft House, and I think they took it around a couple of places. But apparently, oh, I think I,
1: yeah, I, yeah, I think I remember hearing about this, but I don't, I don't think I've seen it.
2: Yeah, I was hoping that Draft House Films would, uh, would release that, but, um, looks like they haven't yet. But, anyways, the story, you know, since I brought it up, uh, the story behind that is that they, you know, because they would just go around and buy, you know, warehouses, you know, little storage units of, uh, you know, beta tapes, you know, all, whatever they could get their hands on, because it's just, you know, with, mm-hmm. with their label and everything. Um, it's kind of the same story of what they said on the show how they get that, uh, Run Cody Run, uh, movie that they found the actual master of it. Well, they did the same thing with N- Ninja Annihilation War. They had this blank tape. I think it was blank, it didn't have anything on it. And it was, uh, a beta, a beta tape. And it was actually the, like, the one inch master for this movie. And they con- finally got a hold of the filmmakers, and the filmmakers thought the film was destroyed. Um, and so they screened it a couple couple of the beta, but um, apparently it's really really great. You can find clips like on Vimeo you know, and stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: I definitely so. want to see it.
0: Apparently, okay. the ninjas wear headbands that say "Ninja" on them.
1: Yes,
2: <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense.
0: And the the cop has a Garfield phone. <laughs> I need I need to see this.
2: Yeah, I was. I was ho- they found it a little while ago, so I was hoping that would, something would happen to it. Maybe they're trying to do something with that um, uh, print, make it a little bit better, so we're not, you know, doing what Slasher Video did. Not that it was a bad thing. I still support that. But... Putting a
0: uh, VHS to Blu-ray. Yeah. Put that, oh, you know, put that, put that on DVD. Just put it on DVD. It's good enough. You don't want to put VHS on Blu-ray. Yeah, but
2: that. then people complain that it's not on Blu-ray. on
0: no, Blu-ray. Great. And Sean won't buy it. Can we get a 4K it's scan, right. a 4K Blu-ray of uh Satan's Blade, please? <laughs> <laughs> Although that was shot on film, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was just transferred to Yeah, I know it was yeah, that was shot on was film. Shot yeah. film.
0: It was just uh it was just they didn't crop it correctly on the transfer.
2: Well, Arrow apparently is going to fix that. So. Was it Arrow is eighty-eight films. Uh, right. No, Arrow. I believe. That's
0: right. right. Holy shit! That's that's amazing. Uh, awesome. Very cool. Well, are we? Uh, do we have anything else to say on Show Kasugi?
2: Um.
1: Watch all of his movies.
2: Yeah, yeah. Not it. very you much could. you can do. A marathon in a day.
0: Yeah,
1: you could do them all on a weekend. You totally can.
0: <clears throat> yep. We highly recommend it. So the, so, uh, Enter the Ninja and Return of the Ninja – or Revenge, Revenge of the Ninja, sorry, are uh, on Kino. Lorber released those. And then Screen Factory, of course, released Ninja 3. And then Arrow released uh, Rage of Honor and Pray for Death. These are only uh, – these are Region A. These are U.S. releases. Um, I need, We need to talk to Arrow, man. They need to do something about their website because – do they have a U.S. website yet? Nope. What the fuck? Hmm. So they because I was trying to look up like you know information about these releases and it's, of course on their on their Aero UK site there's nothing on there, hmm. but uh, they need to, they need to, they need to combine the sites or something they need to do something. I'll uh you know I'll give them a call.
1: You do that, Sean. Yeah,
0: I'll do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your friends talk to them.
0: Yeah. Um, we go way back to episode. Uh, what episode was that? Something. But uh, anyway, all these releases look fantastic. All the ones that are on Blu-ray look great. And, of course, uh, you, you you should be able to find his other ones. Nine Deaths, The Ninja. That's and, uh, streaming somewhere. Brad,
1: didn't you just get Black Eagle recently?
0: Yeah, Black Eagle's it's, on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's, it's also on 101 Films in U.K. They released it. Cool. I need to watch that, that one. So.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of fun with him and Van Damme.
0: I think Van Damme, is a, he's a bad guy in that, right?
2: Yeah, Van Damme's the bad guy.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in a long time. All right, cool. Um, well, let's move on to Stream Screams.
2: Nate, wake up!
0: There's something very important I forgot
5: to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! You scream, I'll break your down. <laughs> Don't scream, miss. <laughs> Don't scream. <laughs>
0: And uh, talk really quick
5: about Lair of the White Worm. From the director of Altered States and the creator of Dracula comes a new classic thriller with a bite. Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm, starring Sammy Davis of Hope and Glory, Catherine Oxenberg from TV's Dynasty, Amanda Donahoe, and Hugh Grant of Maurice. In a remote corner of present-day England, a young archaeologist named Angus Flint unearths a mysterious ancient skull and uncovers a horrifying pagan mysticism. When the skull suddenly disappears, strange things start to happen. And Angus begins to suspect the bizarre and serpentine Lady Sylvia Marsh. Together with his friends Mary and Lord James Dampton, Angus sets out to destroy the horrible white worm and his evil worshippers before they make a living sacrifice of the young Virgin Eve. Peter Travers of People Magazine says, The Lair of the White Worm is a hoot of a horror film. Variety calls it an original, fun-filled nightmare. And Stuart Klein of Fox Channel 5 says, It's droll, kinky fun. See it. Slither into a labyrinth of terror and fun with the master of the bizarre, Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm.
0: This is available on Vudu in HD. Um,
5: it's released by
2: Li- no, Lionsgate. Owns it, so don't expect Gate uh, Man anytime soon
1: a Blu-ray release. I was going to say there's no physical release for that. No,
0: well, it's probably DVDs.
1: Yeah, Lionsgate. I, mean, I I know. I think I originally watched it on DVD.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, but Lionsgate doesn't I mean, release time. any other shit. So,
4: yeah.
0: Oh well. Well, this is directed by Ken Russell, and Arrows – speaking of Arrow, they're going to be releasing – them, right? Um,
2: yeah, Crimes of Passion. Crimes of Passion. Which is pretty great, too.
0: So we'll be talking about that one once we get our hands on it, of course. But uh, this, this movie got brought up because we were talking about Crimes of Passion because it was announced that it was going to be released. And then somebody said, you know, ask about Lair of the White Worm. And, of course, it's owned by Lionsgate, so it's not going to get an HD release. But it is available in HD on, on Vudu Yeah, it looks pretty great, man. I was I was impressed. I mean, it looks yeah. like uh, an HD master, but it you know the, the colors are great. Looks you know looks pretty fantastic. I don't I don't understand what the hell Lionsgate is doing.
2: They're releasing only new movies because that's where the money.
0: That's where the money is. Yeah, the new and-
2: like it it's something that's you know really I mean seriously, layer of the white worm. I mean, your horror fans will buy it, but I mean, it's not like you know. I mean, your hardcore Ken Russell fans, but what's that like? You know, a handful of people
3: in the world.
0: But you, you'd think at least they would sell the rights to a company that specializes in in that stuff. You know, like they, they can easily sell it, sell the rights the Blu-ray rights or whatever. And
2: they've been turned down countless times by everybody. Mother Everybody's a, Everybody has went to them. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, unless one day they're just like, fuck it, here you go. Let's just hope it's Arrow.
0: I know, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Because then you're just going to get whatever's on Voodoo on Blu-ray.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of films like this in the Lionsgate catalog that is available on Voodoo. I think most of their horror titles, yeah, are Voodoo.
2: Some are in, in HD. HD, some are not. A lot of them, though, are in HD.
0: Yeah. So if you know what you're looking for and you're, and you're like, man, why isn't this one movie owned by Lionsgate in HD? Check on Voodoo.com, because you might find it for, for you know for a decent price. I think I paid nine ninety nine for this in HD.
2: I think it's eleven ninety
0: nine. Eleven ninety nine. Maybe I paid that. I don't know. I just <laughs> paid for it. But um back to the movie. I mean, it's starring. I mean, Hugh Grant's in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, not a
2: selling point, though.
0: I know. It, I was <laughs> <laughs> surprised to see him there. Um, Who else? I mean, everyone else in this, I didn't really recognize from any other films. You know, um, maybe you.
1: Amanda Donahue. Amanda Donahue okay. is the, she's like the succubus, like yes. whatever. She's, yeah. uh,
0: she's awesome. She's great. She's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, so she's been in a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's been in a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know if I've seen. I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, I, not that I—that's not recognizable for me at least. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they're not in a ton of shit. But
0: yeah. well, it's, it's a pretty great film, man. I I, I loved it. It's the this archaeologist is in. You know, he's excavating outside his house, or a, I, I guess somewhere they're even running there or whatever but he finds like this crazy weird skull and uh they're kind of a weird couple right these two that were introduced to in the, in the beginning of the film um is it peter it's peter capaldi
1: no. yeah peter capaldi i mean is, he's is in the a the ton of character? stuff too oh yeah angus though yeah angus. yeah Ang- angus splint yeah he's in a lot of stuff
0: So who's the, is it, are they brother and sister or are they, you know, the, the, the couple?
1: Well, the girls are sisters.
0: Right. Okay. The girls are sisters. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's a bit odd. He's this archaeologist and he's, you know, finds his skull and, um and then her, he's with, um, is it, uh, Catherine Oxenberg plays Eve. And then Sammy Davis plays Mary, their sisters. One of them is married to Hugh Grant or dating him or something, right? And that's how they meet Hugh Grant's character, Lord James Dampton. Dampton. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole plot point, yeah, but, gonna, plot point, but yeah. eventually they meet up this uh, succubus woman, Lady Sylvia Marsh, who's not all she seems, and she uh, has her way. She has She has some plans to bring back this white worm. <laughs> right. There's
2: always thing they call a white worm, but I mean, if we really look at it,
0: it's a we're talking
2: about, we're talking about serpents here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A giant serpent.
2: Yeah. That's the reason why I think even Josh Obershaw agreed with me, uh, when we talked about, you know, serpent in the rainbow, I always got, I always got this confused with serpent in the rainbow. Oh yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember what fucking movie I was watching. Um, <laughs> I mean, la- later on in life I, I did, but, um, Kind of once, I, I don't know when. I I think it was maybe Gothic that really that really hit me um, when I was uh, younger, just because it was super weird. Yeah, and then I started recognizing the num the name Ken Russell.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then um in my teens, kind of going and watching Crimes of pa- Passion, watching you know altered states, uh, you know, seeing the devils a few times, and finally seeing the X rated version. Um, you know, horror was another really yep. you know sleazy movie that I would rent just because I could see boobies. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like pulls up, I wanna fuck you in the ass. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I would if I could, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> just really like weird dialogue. But I think mm-hmm. that's like how Russell always is. Um but visually he's an extremely uh, stunning director, especially when he works with um, with Dick Bush. That's a hilarious fucking name, <laughs> but um, you know he used Dick Bush a lot on his uh, you know a lot of his films. Um, and when when they work together, they create this environment. And it's almost like one of those things that like nothing feels like it, there's a mistake. Like everything is picked out, like hand picked. By Russell and them
4: to mm-hmm.
2: show colors to give the theme of the actual scene. Like right when the move, like right when a scene starts, you kind of know what's going to happen. And the only other director that I know that does that perfectly is uh, Pedro Almodovar. Um, you know, he uses the color schemes through his scenes to you know uh, do foreshadowing to you know help you along with the story to present mystery to present drama um to especially present uneasiness and i know that layer of the white worm always kind of got cracked on because of the kind of the goofy uh imagery when you know the snakes shit starts happening but i look at that as like kind of a nightmare i don't look at it as you know goofy cinematography or just poor special effects it's very nightmarish you know it's it's what you is in your head you know, at night and it takes, and it's completely separate from the movie, which I absolutely Mm -hmm. love because the movie is very much, there's even like hammer horror elements uh, throughout the film too. Um, And, and, or, you know, of course this is also, uh, you know, based off of a Bram Stoker uh, novel that Russell, uh, Russell, you know, did an adaptation to. So you also have kind of this, vampiric uh element to it you know mm-hmm. especially with the serpents. i always really dug it you know it was a film that i saw when i was younger that i didn't like because i wanted to see a fucking slasher you know a bunch of people running around getting killed with a mass killer you know when i was really young but when i got older and then i started realizing you know kind of story horror as i have always put it i really really always loved his work and there's not too many directors like ken russell and even if you were a director and you know i've directed a couple shorts too it's like you almost want to fucking give up just because you know (laughs) you'll never make a movie as good as the devils
1: (laughs) right right
2: (laughs) and it's just like why even fucking bother you know but i think you know it's he's such a prolific filmmaker and just one of those People that never gets enough credit, but a lot of people love, you know, but I I think everybody that has, you know, especially in the 80s and 90s, I think a lot of these filmmakers were just feeding off one another, you know, Russell making like fucking Russell and Lynch and Cronenberg, all those guys were making some serious, hardcore, like, hardcore horror imagery films that mm-hmm. would just sink in your fucking head. and right. You can't get rid of. And I, I think that's way more important than any, you know, fun slasher Friday the 13th film we have, even though I love those. Um, you know, it's just, it's a whole different playing field. With, right. I would put, uh,
1: with, I would put Clive know. Barker in there too. Yeah. Around that same yeah, time. Yeah. The same
2: thing. I, I I'm, like, I always forget to mention him because I'm not a fan of uh, his films but um, yeah I agree with you he's he's the ex- same exact way mm-hmm. just showing you pure horror through imagery right so sometimes they can do it without even showing you a scary image they can just give you an unsettling feeling right um, I, I'm not so sure that's so much in Layer of the White Worm but a lot of other works
1: by all these directors um, there is but anyway I, I think there's a lot There's a there's a definite like sexual horror element to it that you see in, in in their movies. that
2: Yeah. And Layer of the White Worm's pretty goddamn sexy at times.
1: Well, right, right, right. But I think they all had some elements of that, um, you know, in what they were doing.
4: Right. Yeah.
2: So, uh, Sean. Yeah. Layer of the White Worm.
0: I loved it. That's it. That was great. I thought it was, uh, like you said, very dreamlike. Um, Imagery is fantastic. Uh, the actress Amanda Donna Donna Donahue 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 um, is great. Like she steals the movie for me. Um, just because there's she's she's so like subtle. Like I don't know. Like, her her acting is just is really great. Like sexy and subtle. And at first you don't really know you know something's off with her, but you don't. You know, as you as the movie progresses, you definitely see the different sides to her. But she does a great job you know as that character um and uh i don't know i just i just loved it it was just weird man just they went places i didn't think they would go like the gigantic you know phallic spike <laughs> near oh the end God. yeah <laughs> strap on thing is like what the hell is going on here so cuz apparently one of these sisters is is a, is a virgin and that comes into play with the film um, of, of course, you know, the, you're, you're, you're right with Bram Stoker. Like this is definitely, there are some Bram Stoker themes, you know, with his, his, his uh, outlook on the vampire, you know? And, um, but it's great. Cause there's also like this religious element to, to it, like in the background with the, it being an in, in old convent, you know, and what possibly went down there and and how she acts to it like a crucifix, you know, by spitting green bile all over a crucifix, um, but I felt like the, the the there's a weird sense of humor to this film as well, you know, like when she has uh brought that boy, the hitchhiker or whatever, not, a mm-hmm. hitchhiker, but back to her place, and he's in the hot tub yeah and then uh and then the doorbell rings, she's interrupted by the doorbell, and it's just a pretty pretty funny you know yet you know disturbing little scene there, but uh
4: well yeah, there was
2: a there was a scene that always kind of got me when I was little because. You know, even watching it recently, I was like, man, how young is this kid supposed <laughs> to be? You know, because he looks like a, he's like a Boy Scout or something. Yeah. <laughs> she totally seduces him.
4: Mm-hmm. And when
2: they're at the hot tub, I mean, she is looking super fucking cool. Oh, yeah. In mm-hmm. that bra and panties and that, you know, kind of. Uh, high of boots. Yeah. And that like see-through robe that she has. And she just lounges around. It's just a very erotic scene. But at the same time is extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, And, you know, kind of how that plays out. It's still, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you don't think it's going to go there, but, you know, it, it it totally does.
0: And that's just great about these directors is they're not afraid to go places. And I don't, I don't know if, mainstream directors i don't know how this did in in theaters you know i I don't know but but that whole group of directors you're talking about i don't see any new directors yet kind of bringing that back that um
2: well mostly it's you know sequences that really hit or you know that are disturbing but not you know goes through the plot of pushing limits i mean I, I just think people are scared because of kind of the PC attitude that a lot of people have. They're scared to make... Because, I mean, no fucks were given if you portrayed, you know, a young kid being seduced by an older lady. Now, if you did that, you would have a lot of people all over you, and the only way to get away with it is to make it underground and independent.
4: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: people just aren't going to dig it. Um Or, you know, I think people are just kind of scared of... uh what's going to happen but I, mm-hmm. I honestly think that you know there, there's there's a divide there that we can say hey you know this is art you know we're not watching a fucking victor salva movie we're watching you know <laughs> we're watching something that you know w- whether it's fantasy or not i mean, I mean imagine someone making the fucking bait the babysitter with alicia silverstone mm-hmm. no one would attempt that today you know, because people would be afraid to be calling a pedophile director or something. But um, you know, because it's one of those things where it's it's all about fantasy, and I think too many think people think that directors are acting out their fantasies because of the stuff that happened with Roman Polanski, stuff that happened with Salva. You know, kind of how this world is exposed to these sickos today. I, I think people are just scared to to push those limits. Um, That are in mainstream. People do it all the time in independent cinema. uh, I think. Um, But anyways, I think if you do, if people do it, it's more or less, more or less a prolific filmmaker. It's well known that can push the limits that won't get shit on because I think any newer people, they're probably scared.
0: Yeah. So. Jay, Jay, when did you first see The Lair of the White Worm?
1: I didn't see it until, you know, probably years after it came out. It was was a DVD release, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw it just because I'd heard a lot about it, um, of course. And I'm like, I got to check this out because I just heard it was, you know, super crazy and insane and all that. And, uh, yeah, it it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, there's a style to it that I like, and I think that, you know, I think that's what Ken Russell really brings to this is – you know, his own vision and, and style. I mean, he, you know, wrote the screenplay and I think like Brad was saying earlier, you know, he's very calculated in his filmmaking and I think it definitely shows, um, here. So while, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, necessarily everything works in it. I think it's something that you watch and you're, it's still very compelling, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just visually. Uh, and then of course, you know, just the story itself, you're just like, the entire time you're just wondering what the fuck is going on because it's just, it's just, and and, you know, to lead to the finale of that movie is you're just like, wow. Like it is just like, I just remember watching it like, okay, now I get it. You know, it's like, (laughs) now I understand why people talk about this movie because it is complete batshit. Right.
0: Like how did it it get here?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's one, it's one thing is like, you know, I, I agree that it's not really kind of a genre mashup, but it's, um, he handles kinda of the different you know, the different routes the film goes to being kinda of comical, to being, you know, kinda of nightmarish, to doing all those things. I think he does an extremely does extremely well of balancing those. Um, right. because I think that Lair the White Worm I think mean, all Ken Russell films are very underseen. You know, I, I think the devil's just because the resurgence of the X rated print that it's, has come up in our little film group you know, hardcore film lovers have seen it, but I mean, stuff like Gothic is really fucking good. And I, I just think people need to dive into, you know, Ken Russell from the 70s, starting, you know, even with Tommy to, um, you know, probably the 90s, uh, late 90s of him making films. It's some really great cinema. So
4: mm-hmm.
2: hopefully, like with Crimes of Passion, we'll get some uh, stuff out there that's... uh you know, kind of a Ken Russell resurgence. Cause I think it is a filmmaker that needs to be rediscovered because he's very inspirational and just very great. You know, he's a great director.
0: Agreed. Yep. Very cool. All right. Well, it's a uh, layer of the white worm is available on voodoo. Of course, we'll have a link in the show notes to, uh, to the film. You can rent it or buy it if you want, but uh, definitely comes highly recommended from us. Yes. All right. Well, um, I think it's going to do it for this week's show.
1: Cool. Right on.
0: Um, if you all can make sure you check out our our sponsors, go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors and check all of them out. If you buy anything from them, um, let us know. Email us. Read me at com uh, with a screenshot of your transaction. We'll get you added to the next coffee slash mug uh, giveaway we're doing a giveaway right now for some magnolia flicks that um we're going to extend we're going to draw five names next week so all you need to do to get entered for that drawing and it's going to be for a copy of tangerine and a copy of last shift on dvd, on DVD. so email us readme at the screencast.com. let us know what your favorite magnolia or magnet releasing release has been up till now and uh you'll get entered into that drawing and next week's show we will have uh we'll have that drawing we'll draw five names and uh, those five people will be winners keep uh keep tabs with us on twitter that'll be the best place to keep as we're talking about the this giveaway and when it when it's ending and things like that um scream underscore cast that's the best uh best way to get minute by minute (laughs) or daily details about these these types of things that we'll do. We'll try to use that more often for these giveaways. I think last time we've we've relied on the show, and I think it'll help if we do kind of social media a little bit more because a lot of people listen to the show, but they're always a couple of weeks behind, <laughs> it seems like. right? So that way you can know as soon as these are going on. Um, so that's going on. Uh, we have about 20 entries so far, which I think is the most we've had. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so, um, pretty good response. Pretty cool. So, we'll keep it doing it this way. I think this way was the way to go instead of just relying on the show. Um, of course, like I said, check out our sponsors Coffee Shop of Horrors, uh, GrindhouseVideo.com, um, Wolfman of yeah. Mars. Yes. Vinegar Syndrome. We're getting yeah. more and more horror pack.
2: Yeah, horror pack. If you um, go back to Vinegar Syndrome, since their May's coming up, they have their May pack that you can uh, that you can purchase already. It's up for. It's got um, the, uh, Rudy Ray Moore's um, uh, Human Tornado and uh, uh, Psychic Killer, which are two great films. Got a little porno on the side. <laughs> um, but if you go to if to purchase that pack, you have to purchase the pack. If you go to the coupon code and you put Screencast, Screencast, listen people, Screencast Dash Twister, so Screencast Twister, you get ten bucks off. Oh, wow! So nice. uh, you know, Vinegar Syndrome is being a sponsor of the show, so they're giving out little they will give out little things like this, probably for their monthly packs or you know giveaways or any you know who knows what they're going to do. But this is the first thing they're doing. So nice. on the May pack, the full pack, which is like seventy four bucks right now, um, you can get it for sixty four because of uh, that coupon code. And then also, um, if you go to with Horror Pack, um, if you want to subscribe to their service, you get three bucks off. If you use – just go to whorepack.com slash go slash screencast, and you can get your three bucks off
0: there. If you go to the screencast.com slash sponsors, I have a link directly to that. Just click that, and you're good to go. Otherwise, use Screamcast. You can check out at Coffee Shop of Horrors. Use the coupon code SCREAMCAST. And uh, also check out inkspatters.com. Kevin Spencer designed our logo, so give him some love. Like I said, if you buy anything from any of, any of these sponsors, uh, screenshot the uh, transaction email to read me at the You'll get entered into this next coffee drawing that we're going to be doing, separate from the magnolia drawing. Make sure all that's clear. Um, also, I wanted to our, our one of our listeners, Michael Delaney, uh, asked me to uh, kind of give a plug. For he's doing a filmed slash staged adaptation of Plan Nine from Outer Space. His theater company is. If you're in the Bay Area, uh, starting May 19th, that is going on. So it's it's a musical. Um, It sounds really cool. So check that out. Um, He didn't leave me a uh, a link to it, but I'll I'll probably put a link in the show notes to this. So if you're in the Bay Area, want something cool to do. He's he's a good guy, so I wanted to give him a little plug. And that's all we got for the plugs. Cool.
1: Jay, you got any plugs going on? No plugs. No plugs. Nothing no plugs.
0: Plug? No plugs. Where can people find you on Twitter if they so desire?
1: Uh you can always find me at SleeStack. That's with 2Ks at uh, Twitter and you know if you want to follow, you know what I'm watching, you know, you can either Letterboxd is good. Same username SleeStack with 2K's and uh, Movie Logger if you're there. Nice. Yep. Uh,
0: Brad, have we done a letterbox for the site or are we still messing around with that?
1: Uh, we have not done a
2: letterbox for the site, but I have the show, uh I mean. my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have my own, but um that's something we can look for in the future. Well, what we're going to we were trying to do is for each show create a letterbox list of each movie we talk about so it's mm-hmm. easier for people to remember because yeah. i do tend to ramble that
1: would be but, a good idea it's
2: cool.
0: not funny well i'm on letterboxd i don't know i think it's uh I'm sean c derager on letterboxd i don't know find me if you want but uh that's all the time we got for this week's show i want to thank all of you guys for listening have a great week next show, we are talking about the Arrow box set, the American Horror Project, and then the week after that we'll be talking about Vinegar Syndrome's April Package. Oh yeah. Oh boy. So stay tuned for those. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya. Bye. (laughs) Boy. Boy.
4: Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. It's just begun.